Oops, excuse me. I have a smorgasbord of brief topics to talk about. That sounds delicious. It does sound delicious. Um, and I have a piece of quasi follow-up if we care to address it, and you can cut this. But uh, my father actually pointed out after listening to the last episode, hey, what about uh, voice recognition as a mean? This is after episode four. What about voice recognition as a means to control your car? And I think he makes an excellent point, but the sorry truth of it is, in my experience, all voice recognition sucks, and that's pretty much the end of it. Here's the thing with voice recognition. The, the the theory behind it, I think, in most people's minds is you don't have to use your hands for it. And you don't have to use your eyes for it. You can just use your voice. And if we assume, like, you know, magical, perfect artificial intelligence, isn't that better? But I find, it, it practically speaking currently, at least in my nerd mind, and I think in most people's minds too, I think trying to speak a command to your car is more distracting than trying to operate a physical control, even if you have to look at it. Because, like, I feel like people's visual centers of their brains, like, shut off because they're thinking about, how do I say this in the way that the machine will understand me? Do you, do you guys experience that? that like, you, you're trying to think about a command and speak it to the thing, and you realize during the time you've been doing that speaking and thinking about what to say, you have not been paying attention to the road. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I probably shouldn't admit that publicly, but yes, I completely agree. And, and that, and that, it's maybe just a transitional point. Like, or so maybe a generation grows up where voice recognition just works. That won't be a problem, right? But for us right now, for people who are alive now and grew up when voice recognition didn't work or didn't exist, I find that I, I find that it it, just, it distracts me more than almost any other alternative possibly could. See, for me, I, I find that it's not. It's not necessarily that I'm distracted by like figuring out the syntax of, of how to phrase everything, although I do, I do have to think about that, but it's more that I don't trust what it's doing because usually you know, voice recognition um, for me, I mean, and actually, John, you have the most experience with it because you actually dictate articles and stuff, but for me, I, I found that uh, voice recognition is, is unreliable so often that I always have to like check its results. And, and so... In a car, I have to. I would have to like check to see is it you know if I said call Tiff, is it calling Tiff? Is it calling somebody else? Is it calling Jeff? Like you know, is it calling some <laughs> other name that sounds similar? Like you know, it, I, I always have to like double check its results anyway, and so that is distracting. That I have to not only say the command, but then wait a few seconds for it to recognize it, and then I have to like check up on it to see if it's doing the right thing or not. Yeah, for, for low priority things, I think that's better because you can let go of that. Like if you're doing something like saying the name of a song you want to hear, first of all, you're going to get feedback because it's either going to start playing the song you wanted or it's not going to play the song you wanted. You don't have to look anywhere explicitly for feedback or whatever it's going to happen. And if, and if it goes wrong, it is much less of an issue than if you had said something like uh, turn on left blinker or, you know, making up something that's essential to driving that it kind of like has to happen, has to happen now and has to happen correctly. Otherwise, you know, danger could ensue. Whereas if it just gets the wrong song or even if it calls the wrong person, but that's what I'm talking about with the mental thing where like, you're anticipating like, did it get that? Did it get, who is it calling the right part? And while you're doing that, you're not paying attention to driving. And I, I think like the, the sort of brainless, like brainstem lizard brain kind of reach over and grope for a dial and flick it or whatever, that that can happen without 
disengaging the parts of my psyche that are supposed to be looking for hazards on the road and monitoring my mirrors and doing all the stuff you're supposed to do when you're driving. Right. Well, and also like a lot of those, a lot of those things that we do with physical controls now, like turn signals, like I don't have to think to use my turn signal. It just happens. It's, yep. it, I, you know, I've, I've used turn signals before I turned my entire driving life. So it just happens automatically now. I don't consciously think about it. Whereas I feel like if you were speaking commands, you'd have to think about every single one. Yeah, this is something that I'm surprised no one brought up in feedback, but I wanted to bring it up from the last show. Is that a lot of like all these like technology problems? If you start thinking about it as a, as a way to find the best possible way to do this, you will end up going down a different path than if you are open to the idea that doing this at all is stupid. And one of those <laughs> that I'm surprised you didn't both you didn't bring up is like I can unconsciously adjust the temperature, recirculation, direction of airflow, and fan speed uh, in in my car. Without thinking about it, uh, but you know, modern, modern, nicer cars don't have all those things as independent controls. You just set the temperature you want, and it does all the details for you. So it's kind of like, what's the best way I can say? Okay, temperature and airspeed. Surely you need to, you know, adjust those independently and recirculate in the defroster and everything. Like, but, but you know, you don't have to do that if it, the car can automatically do that. That changes to one control for temperature higher, temperature lower, and that's what I assume both of your BMWs have in it. Now, this still you can say defroster on or off or whatever, but like. The number of things you have to worry about when making adjustments can, you know, you, you don't have to find a way to make all the seven controls that are in my cord really easy to use. You can say, you know what, six of those controls are stupid, and we can just have a, a temperature dial that goes up and down, and we'll manage the rest of it for you. So that's another way out of, of this dilemma. And then you have the same problem of, like, like kids not learning how to use uh, or how to do ca- uh, calculations on paper without calculators. Then it's like you know, you're in your car, in your fancy, all automated climate control car, and you're like, "All right, the windows are all fogged up, but my feet are cold. What do I do?" Yeah, you know, well, and like, and like, how many people don't really know how to how to do that anymore? Yeah, I mean, maybe that was a bad example because I guess maybe like uh, maybe having independent control of those things like I enjoy it because I, I I'm constantly you know the wrong temperature or humidity, so I'm always tailoring the exact amount to each part, but you know. I'm micromanaging the climate in my car because I don't have automatic climate control. So I'm doing it. I'm, I'm doing micromanagement like I'm playing StarCraft. Like with, but the thing is, I mean, th- this is silly, but it gets back to my other point that that happens unconsciously. I'm not concentrating on doing it. Like the controls are gigantic. They're always in the same place. I do it constantly. It's just, it's just like fiddling with the a pen cap with your fingers. You know, unconsciously, it just happens. Well, what's interesting though is you, you say that you know if you have a temperature control then in theory, all the other controls should go away. But it's not quite that simple. And generally speaking, you're right. I set a temperature in my car, and it's that temperature, and that's all I care about. But there are times when I think to myself, man, I really could use a little more airflow on my face, or man, my feet are freezing to death, or whatever the case may be. And it ends up that I use the controls to to direct the airflow yeah, and those I mean, are controls that I theoretically shouldn't have to use. Well, you can also adjust the vents too, like manually sure. adjust the vents to aim at different spots. So, it, what I'm thinking of mostly is like if you don't remember back in the, back in the prehistoric times with manual control, is you will set <laughs> things to what you think is a comfortable setting, but then you'll turn and like you'll be you go off of a shady road onto a sunny road, and a car with manual controls doesn't change how much cool air is coming out of the vents because suddenly you're in the sun. Whereas a car with automatic climate control is going to realize, wow, now you're in the blazing sun, and I notice that the temperature inside the cabin is rising, therefore I will make it cooler. It's that type of, I mean, yeah, it's not, it's not perfect, but even just that, you, I think you take for granted if you have automatic climate control versus me you know, swinging my dials to wildly different positions based on how much sun is going into the cabin. Yeah, I hear that. 
Um, I have a, a, a show, an overarching show topic uh, uh, occurred to me while you guys were talking. But before I do that, any other follow up from you two? No, I think that's good. Good. So uh, I, it when Marco, you brought up using a signal, it occurred to me I've wanted to talk to you guys about car and driving etiquette. And that includes <laughs> oh a, a few different, yeah. And so we're really going to lose all our listeners after this one because I have some extremely particular views on this. But I have a few different uh, items I'd like to hit, and the first of which is turn signals. And I'm of the opinion that if you have four functioning limbs, and particularly two functioning arms, and you are not using a turn signal, then, and I'm sorry, you're going to have to bleep this, but you're an it. So, you know, in theory, you only need the left arm in most That's cars. true, actually. So... Are Even you if you guys, just have if you just have that functional arm, I think you're covered. I agree. So, are you guys devout in your usage of turn signals or not at all? Hundred percent, always turn signals. Like wearing, putting on a seatbelt, never don't do it. I agree, Marco. I do it if I'm moving forward. <laughs> what? Well, yeah, I, I don't. I don't signal when when going in reverse either. No, I, I don't. I, didn't I, realize I tend not that to. I tend to drive forward. Most one of my of one of my friends in high school was was such a uh, deli- like a very deliberate driver. Like he, you could tell he was thinking about every step in his head as he did it, and uh, and he would signal at all occasions, including like backing up out of his driveway. He would use a turn signal to indicate which direction the butt of the car was about to go. But that's opposite from the direction that the front that the car is about to travel in. You know uh, I mean? Generally speaking, yeah, yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's, yeah. It, it's that that was a little extreme. Um, and and I, I used to be one of those people who would like I would do it on the road, but I wouldn't do it like in a parking lot. And then I realized as I got older, like, well, that's stupid. That you actually kind of need it more a lot of times. In in uh, in you know, and basically, if there is somebody behind me in a parking lot, I will signal every single move I make. See, and I agree with you. And and the funny thing to me is those who do not use signals will often say, oh, well, nobody's around. Nobody can see my signal well, Wait anyway. a second. Wait a second. Have, have you met in real life people that don't just, like, f- forget to use their signals occasionally, but, like, come will come at you and say, I know that signals exist, but I choose not to use them. I've never met such a person. I haven't either, but usually I will approach those people because I'm a jerk and ask them why they don't drive properly. That must go really well. Yeah, it does not. That's a good it, conversation start. It does not. It does not at all. <laughs> but these are usually people who are like friends or whatever that I, that I can get away with these sorts of conversations. But the, I, to me, I don't understand why you couldn't use a signal. And the excuse of, oh, well, there's nobody around me anyway. Well, that's kind of the whole point in a signal, isn't it? Is to show the person you can't see what you're about to do. I, mean, it, I, I, I don't me. understand how like that's that's BS though because like I do it when nobody's around. It's like like Marco said. It's it's one of those things that you just do it and it just happens automatically. And it's not as if you are choosing to do it or choosing not to do it any more than you're choosing to put one foot in front of the other when you walk. You just <laughs> you just walk and like so when you make a, a when when you're making a left like I mean it's like it would be difficult for it just becomes a habit and it's not like. It's yep. not like the habit part of your brain knows that you're not being followed or something. You either always do it or always don't. I don't, I, I don't believe these people who said I don't, they only do it when no one's around. That's that's BS. I completely agree. Wait, and they you, only do it when no one's around? Well, well it's the only opposite. neglect to turn, use turn signals when nobody's around because it's it's a, it's habit. Almost everything you do in driving right. is a habit, and it's just repeated so many times. I don't see how you can have two modes like that. Have you ever met these people um, who? They they won't use a seatbelt when they first start driving, 
and then the car will start chiming the seatbelt reminder. And then, like, ten seconds into the re- repeated chiming of the car, then they'll, like, sigh and put the seatbelt on. I have seen Every single people. time. I, I have seen non-seatbelt people, not just the, what you're describing, the people who need the little alarm to remind them, but people who just, who, who in, in, you know, modern, <laughs> modern adults in the United States of America who choose not to wear seatbelts. And I have witnessed such people in the wild, uh, and it's sad and fascinating and i'm not not going to draw any analogies about those people about what they remind me of but there are other things it just it just (laughs) just boggles my mind you mean like smokers no i I guess (laughs) let's let's make some more enemies send your email to marco armin (laughs) (laughs) no i they know it's going to buzz and remind them and every time it buzzes and reminds them they act surprised that this is happening and, and put out like oh god i have to deal with this now that's it's like why part not? Of, like how long habit, would it though? Right. Like how long would it take before you would just adjust your habit to uh, to just put it on when you get in? Yeah, now, but these that, people... that, that, like that is their ritual. Like just the <laughs> same way as like when you're about to make a left turn, you you turn on the blinker, right? Well, well, that's just part of their ritual. I mean that that doesn't bother me that much. I mean they're going to eventually end up getting t-boned in the parking lot and dying because uh, they didn't put their seatbelt <laughs> on until five minutes after the car was underway. But you know. At least they're they're like you know they're not doing it intentionally. They're not saying I know the seatbelt exists, but I refuse to put it on for insert crazy reason here. What about uh, vehicles that that seatbelting is kind of socially optional, like uh, taxis or buses? See, that's it's not socially optional. It's just that there's some there's this weird expedience, like pe- people want to be expedient, and if they feel that they are. It, impeding the progress of any other people even if it's just a taxi driver that they they will forego things that they would otherwise like to do it's kind of like you know like a form of a mutant form of politeness where you are doing something that you would choose you would not choose to do this if it weren't for uh observers or company or people behind you or whatever and that that is also a very very foolish life choice uh but at least there's some pressure to explain that but is that I, th- I wonder if that's a northeastern thing because one of the things I've noticed after having lived in Virginia for many years is that when I go about my day as somebody who was born and bred in the northeast my purpose in life figuratively speaking is to not screw up anyone else's world. I don't want to make waves in anyone else's world. When I'm at the grocery store, I want to go, I want to get my stuff and I want to get the crap out of there as quickly as possible. And in the South, it seems like that's a very awkward thing. And it's not that people are necessarily intentionally infringing on what a Northeastern Northeasterner would say is their space, but they don't have the same protective nature of being your own thing and not affecting anyone else's world. Does that make any sense? It's, yeah. it's very odd that way that everyone is in a mutual space in the South and everyone can talk to everyone and everyone can be yeah, friends with everyone. And it's very odd. Even at 10 years into living in Virginia, I still find it weird. When I moved down to Atlanta, I think the first time I went to the grocery store and someone tried to talk to me, I'm like, what are you doing? You're trying to talk to me in a grocery store? I don't know yep. you. I came back from the grocery store. I explained to my wife. I was like, I was getting groceries and some person started talking to me. They didn't. They, and it was like, it was a stranger. They didn't, you know, and it wasn't even like the cashier. It was just some other person getting groceries. I'm like, that, if you're a New Yorker, that, you know, all, you know, shields up. As right, soon as something wrong with that person. Like, is that a crazy person? Am I about to be mugged? Is a pickpocket picking my pocket right now? Like, am I in candid camera? <laughs> but no, in the South, people just talk to you. And yeah. If you're if you're a, a northeasterner and a misanthrope, uh, South is not for you. 
Well, it's just an odd experience, and and it's one that I'm still coming to terms with. But yeah, I mean, I, I it it the only people that I know that don't use their seatbelts until the warning tend to be people of an older generation that that grew up possibly before seatbelts were mandated. And so it's like, and to, to one of you just said, you know, how do you not change your your habits? And I don't understand even even older generations how they haven't changed their habits after like twenty years of having to wear seatbelts. But right. but maybe there my, were maybe there were thirty years of building that habit first. And, yeah. and that's a very 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 valid. Point. All dogs, new tricks. I mean, it's yep. sad. It can be overcome. Like I don't write those people off. Like you know, the thing about people with different sort of different driving habits or different ideas about cars or anything like that being they're all wrong or whatever is that <laughs> uh in general i i i don't feel like i i don't know if it's like respect for elders i don't feel like it's my place to try to correct older people because i understand why they're doing it with one exception that exception is my parents who i will harangue endlessly about all of their failings to comply with modern society so i feel like it's the duty of all children because, like, you know, you can't just yell at random old people. They won't listen to you. But your parents, you should be able to bring into the modern world. So if my parents had any of these failings and they have had various uh, unrelated but similarly embarrassing failings, it's my job as their child to bring them around. But but other people, yeah, it's just look at it as kind of – it's, like, sad. Like, don't I feel like, don't you have children or grandchildren who love you who will convince you to wear a seatbelt? <laughs> That's not a guilt trip at all. I would don't say that. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, Casey, you would say that it was to a stranger in the parking lot who just pulled up next to you without well, signaling. Yeah, I, well, I'll, the, I'll the only, a stranger. But the only thing this is speaking of driving etiquette. This is the only thing that I will do to communicate with other drivers on the road. Other than like, well, not the only thing. The only thing like confrontational that I would do. Speaking of what Casey is trying to scold people, is when someone doesn't <laughs> understand. The system of alternating when two lines of cars are merging together. Oh I'm, my god! I look at them and I give them the universal double hand signal for alternate. I'm doing it now, but you do it one foot, one hand in front of the other, one hand in front of the other, and I mouth the words alternate, one hand in front of the other. <laughs> <laughs> Just that because I'm like, maybe they don't understand the concept. They think it's like every man for themselves. It's like <laughs> it's a, this is civilized society. We I'm alternate. sure that's why they do. Yeah. One from one row, one from the other row. It's not a complicated system where there's five lines coming together. It's just two streams of cars going into one, alternate. And, you know, it doesn't work, but it makes me feel better. I would love so, to see that happen sometime, just to I see do you. I all do the time. Hand that's fantastic. Eventually, someone will just take out a gun and shoot me. So that's, that's generally why I don't do confrontation. Right. If they haven't yet shot Casey for it. insulting their driving skills. <laughs> Very much so. And actually, to that end, apparently the purpose of this episode is to get myself thrown out of the South. Um, one of the things that Virginia Is Virginia loves, really the South? It's really yeah. the South. Well, okay, now we're getting into a whole other discussion. I would say anything south of Richmond is the South, even though in the Is this like the opposite of, that, of upstate New York? Kind I'll say of. Anything south of Manhattan is the South. Well, there's that. <laughs> uh, the, the, the funny thing is... All right, fine, Staten Island. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Richmond actually was the capital of the Confederacy, but it's interesting because you have... You know, you have all the Northeast proper that everyone agrees is the Northeast, and I'm counting Pennsylvania in that. You have Maryland, which is closer to the Northeast than not. Then you have D.C., which is just a total cluster, and that to me is pure Northeast. Then after D.C., you kind of have this fading into this middle of the road, which is Central Virginia, including Richmond and Charlottesville and places like that. But as soon as you get south of Richmond, you are in the south 
for real. There is no debate. And, and in an effort to get myself thrown out of the South to go back a step, one of the things that Virginia really likes is weave lanes. So a, a entr- an entrance to a different highway or perhaps uh, just a road off of a highway or interstate, as they call them here, um, an entrance into another interstate or another road or whatever the case might be is in the same lane as the exit off of from uh, yes. from they does call that those make any trumpet sense? ramps i believe also maybe whatever the case like may the, be it's like the shape of it's like a circle touching a line basically sure yeah exactly and virginia loves those and alternate feed does not exist here and it drives me bonkers and i agree with you john it's terrible and i just want to pull everyone over and lecture them on how they should appropriately drive using I mean, at, signals. At high speeds, like you're going to end up with a couple bunching in. Like I'm talking about mostly like low speed where it's clear that the only thing stopping you from alternating is your own stupidity. Like because at high speeds, there's going to be a clump <laughs> of two cars, then one car, whatever. That comes down to like driving skill. And we all know the people who come on to the entrance ramp to the highway and don't understand how to merge into fast moving yep. traffic and end up coming into complete stop on the ramp and it just chaos ensues. And it's like, you're doing it wrong. I mean, that that's you know that's always a problem actually right. and speaking speaking of that and the etiquette of like say a lane is closing uh like this construction up ahead you see the big giant blinking arrow you know everybody who's in your current lane is going to have to merge over to the left i recall seeing on the interweb somewhere that the optimal strategy for traffic flow is actually to stay in your lane as long as possible which is the douchebag move in most people's book. Like, right. oh, that guy had all this time to merge, and he didn't merge. He waited until he got up to the cones, and now he has to merge, and I'm not letting him in, right? Yeah, I don't let but those people in. Maybe I'm misremembering. Especially sure. if they were in my lane, and then they got out of the lane, to go zoomed the, up front, yeah, yeah. and then tried to oh, get back God, in. Yes. I will not yeah. let that. No matter what, I will stay bumper to bumper with the car in front of me. I but, will not but, let do you, but do you remember that uh, that article on the internet? Yeah. Maybe I'm misremembering it. No, I, re- so, I read that actually, from from a traffic flow perspective, that the best move is to stay. The people who are in that second lanes being merged they should stay in that lane for as long as possible and, and merge in at the very last second and the people in the other lane should let them in in an alternating pattern right i mean if you think about it i guess it makes sense because uh then it that effectively reduces the amount of distance that is only one lane yeah or, i don't think that was the theory it has more to do with flow or something or we could all be completely misremembering it so i guess maybe we'll do that no i do remember that was the, the conclusion I, th- I think it was somebody in pennsylvania who, who did it which having having lived in pennsylvania for for a while uh, i remember thinking well they don't know what they're talking about because <laughs> pennsylvania traffic is terrible obviously <laughs> whoever's running that does not <laughs> you know is not great so here's well, the, the simpler etiquette thing that i think everybody can agree on less controversial is when somebody lets you in, you do, you show them the palm of your hand. Absolutely. Right. I mean, it's so easy to do. You don't even have to make eye contact with them, but if someone does not show you the palm of their hand, now they're just, now they're dead to you. (laughs) Now see the, the the problem, well, the palm of the hand has been ruined because of the people, (laughs) the people who cut you off. What people who, who didn't, you didn't let them in and they wave at you as like a, oops, excuse me. I still, I still think that lessens (laughs) my anger towards them. Like, even though they did a jerky move or whatever, maybe they're in a hurry. No, no, that makes it worse. Like, at least they put up the hand. Some of them will wave first as if to stop you and then turn into your lane and cut you off. (laughs) I know, but that's better than, the alternative is this. I'm holding my hand up here, nobody. The the alternative is they cut you off and while cutting you off, they honk at you like you were doing something wrong. 
then you just want to kill them, right? I'd much rather have someone stick their hand up and go, like, even as they're cutting me off, I, I, it doesn't mean that I don't, uh, that I appreciate them cutting me off, but it's like, all right, they made, they made the, the smallest human effort possible to make up for what they were doing. At least they, they acknowledged that what they were doing was a jerky Right, move. right. Not there's totally. an acknowledgement. I mean, well, there's a, a, if you accidentally are a jerk to somebody, then I think that's warranted. If you, but like, obviously, like, if somebody, if somebody cuts you off and then gives you, like, the oops, sorry, I don't know what I'm doing wave. That to me is like using your blinkers to double park when you don't really need to. It's like, yeah. like, like if you double park in front of somewhere and block a whole bunch of traffic just because you don't want to pull around back to the parking That's lot. That's not the same, though, because the, the person who accidentally like, cuts you off, maybe they just didn't see you. Maybe you were in their blind spot. You know? No, no, no. They just didn't want to wait. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing. The You're hand, from the, New York. You know this move. But, but the, the hand, <laughs> here's the thing about the hand up. The hand up going you know, thanks for letting me in or sorry about that or whatever. Here's where the hand up goes bad. Like, uh, again, if we should have a video podcast, right? Put in the hand up. We all know how to put the hand up and show the person the palm, right? As you extend your arm, suddenly that changes into stop because I am coming. And that, <laughs> nobody wants to see that palm. You know the person who leans right. out of their hand, the puts their arm cup. out as if, they are, yeah, as if they are telling you, you must now stop because I'm going to cut you off in my Escalade. And it's always a giant SUV or something. Of course. <laughs> and and that, that is no good because now they are commanding you, I am the police officer of this square foot of road here and I'm telling you to stop. Right. And it's the and same they palm give you the, the thank hand. You it's, just, it's just the arm. <laughs> No, it's it's a we're on a continuum here. You know, like there's there's the thank you wave for for you know a truly you know oh you let me do that okay, and then and then there's the people who I hate who are almost to what you're to what you're describing here. It's like people who just kind of shove their way in and then give the thank you wave, but you didn't let them in, and that's 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 a move. Yeah, and then there's the people who who play traffic cop with their hand and just kind of demand their own way in. And then they also give you the thank you wave, which of course is, I mean, see, like, that's why that's infuriating to me. Like, whether, whether or not they did the, the, the hand move out the window, um, if they take a spot that you didn't give them, and then they give you the thank you wave, regardless of whether they use their hand to take the spot, I think it's a dick move. Well, see, I think, Marco, you still have, you, you have the same problem as a wife as you're a vindictive driver, because, like, that guy who went to the edge of the cones and now wants to be let in, <laughs> yeah, we'll let him I, in. Will, I will let him in. My wife, will, oh, like no. you, oh, will no. hold a grudge forever. You know why I'll let him in? For the good of all the other drivers, because I, I, maybe I'll give him, like, a scolding <laughs> with my eyes as I let him in, but... You know, I don't know why he was there. Maybe he wasn't paying attention. Maybe his kid was screaming in the back of the car. Maybe he was preoccupied because his mother just died. I don't know. I'm willing to believe, you know, in humanity. And, like, the thing is, leaving him stranded there is just going to result in him uh, lurching his car at the other people and honking and everyone being sad. I'll, just, I'll, I'll let him in. Yeah, but that'll my, happen my, behind you. Who cares? My, exactly. No, but my, my, my wife, yeah. See, my wife doesn't like – my wife wants to get revenge on him, and I just want to, like, live and let live. And, and like, to, to that and speaking of the car lurching, I feel like cars have body language, and the worst possible body language of a car is the lurch. And, again, I'm picturing a big SUV. You know, the one where they go, room, room, and the car lurches forward, and it's like it doesn't have – you know, every time it lurches, the front end of the car lifts up and then goes forward, lifts up. You know, it's like teetering right. like a seesaw, and they're lurching. That is the worst possible body language. That's like, hey, man, I'm a big jerk. And – you know, I, you can look at a car without seeing who's behind it and driving, just seeing how the car, the body of the car is moving and how it's accelerating, decelerating, and kind of peg what kind of driver that is and whether you should stay far, far away from them. That's very true. So speaking of the wave and the stop motion, I have two questions related to, to hand gestures. One, are you two a fan of the, of the middle finger or not so much? 
Oh, I won't use that. I, I will not. I, I, I my value, ju- my not value judgment, my risk reward uh, ratio <laughs> calculation on that is exactly the reward is it makes me feel a little bit late, uh, better, and the risk is I get shot and killed. And I agree. And if I, how would I explain? You know. I'm on my deathbed in the hospital after being shot in the head, and I have to explain to my child, well, I could have not been shot, but but I really wanted to give this guy the finger. Like, it's a bad trade-off. The car was lurching. The car was lurching, honey. You don't understand. Yeah, I had had to give the finger, whereas you could have just let them in and continued on with your day and gone home and been fine. So, terrible (laughs) risk-reward trade-off. I'm much more passive-aggressive, like, to use that. Like, I... To me, I will, like, I'll, I'll be a dick in the sense, like, you know, I'll, I'll not let somebody in who, who's trying to ride the easy lane, but I won't look at them. Like, I'll just, I'll keep forward as if I don't see them, as if I just accidentally won't let them in. So just that if they look, over, I will not make eye contact. <laughs> I will just keep looking forward because, again, like, I, you know, you don't know. People are crazy. But they'll I feel still, like it's like I'm like plausibly, you. deniably not seeing them in their eyes if I don't look over. <laughs> I think you should be a nicer driver, Marco, especially if you're driving around in a BMW because you've true. got you've got uh, you're coming in with like you know points against. No, the people who are cutting me off are in BMWs. Everyone, I live in New York. Everyone drives BMWs. Well, there's that. So the the additional question I have, or maybe it's more of an observation than a question uh, regarding gestures, is my little brother. So. I'm the eldest of three, and uh, my my youngest brother is eight years younger than me, which makes him what is he now? Twenty uh, forty. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the my youngest brother said to me several years ago, actually, you know, here's the thing, Casey. If you really want to piss somebody off on the road, don't give them the middle finger because the middle finger is, man, you've made me angry, and that's almost rewarding them. What you need to do is tell them that you disapprove of the way they drive. So here's what you do, Casey, says my little brother. You give them a thumbs down. And that, <laughs> that is even worse. And, and I haven't yet successfully tried this because usually when I'm, when I'm going to give a hand gesture, I'm so fired up that it's going to end up being the finger. But I feel like in, intellectually and conceptually, he has a point that a thumbs down is not screw you and I hate you. It's you're driving is subpar. Yeah, maybe give, and, give it like a preschool teacher frown too. Yeah, exactly. And a shake of the head. That's, <laughs> nope. that's the kind of the the uh, the equivalent of that that I come across is when I see you know we, we all at least Marco definitely you get like tweets from people that are that are just terrible. Like I mean, or, or if you like follow uh, you know Mike FTW on, on Twitter and you see the people who are replying to him and he gets into all these fights and the crazy people come out right and they say crazy things to me to you and. The thing I want to say back to them, sort of like you know what you want to do with the drivers, has shifted as I've become an old man from wanting to give them the finger or the equivalent of the finger or whatever to me wanting to just like – is a single phrase that, that comes to my mind. It would be like, this is what you would say to each one of these people when you're done with the conversation. You would say, you're a terrible person. <laughs> and that's the end of the conversation. And it applies in so many – like it's just – like they've said something like you know racist, sexist, or just like being a jerk to a child, or like I mean it doesn't come down to like bad driving because there's so many reasons. You, I'm much willing to forgive bad driving, but it's like that's that's it. It's just the thumbs down is like you know maybe maybe not that you're a terrible person because you can't really look into their heart, but you could say uh, what you just did uh, is a terrible way to drive. <laughs> that don't do that anymore. Thumbs down. I don't exactly. know if the thumbs down gives the same thing. Uh, and you can't say like you are a terrible driver because maybe they're an excellent driver. They're just having a bad day. But what they just did was like unacceptable. 
Well, the the problem with that though, and and I guess, and this is one of the reasons why I don't really find the need to like get angry at people on the road very often, uh, is just that I think most of the bad driving I see appears to not be out of out of uh, malice; it's just out of incompetence. Yeah, that's 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 <laughs> far, by far the most common, and that's why I'm I'm very willing to forgive on those things. I mean, I still feel like someone should teach the people who are doing that how to drive, but everybody has like a moment of inattention or an off day or something. Yeah, but the problem is they won't like if you if you show them your little alternating hand instructions, they won't see it, and if they do see it, they won't know what you're talking uh, about. That's as close as I get to the finger. I do that when I know someone is intentionally not letting us in. I have to I have to explain like. You know, I just, that's it, that one word. I hope they understand alternate. They see my hands going. It's, I'm trying to express to them how civilization works. And what they're seeing is, <laughs> I'm a terrible person. I don't know if they're seeing that. I think, I mean, I hope they'll feel guilty. I I, I don't know what I'm expecting. I'm like, this is as close as I get to. I, I used to get so mad that I would want to stop my car and get out. And I realized this is how you get shot. Like, you'd be out of light <laughs> after so someone true. did something crazy. And I would be like, I just want to go up to, to them, you know, stop my car, get out of the car, knock on their window <laughs> and say, do you understand that... Uh, when there's a stop sign, the person who's going straight has the right of way over the guy who's turning left if they both arrive at the same time. But that that I never do that because I will I will get shot or beat to death. <laughs> you know, so but I I want to resist that instinct. That's probably wise. That is. Wise. I think now, if you get out of your car, no matter what the situation, if you get out of your car, you've lost the argument. Yeah, but like I, I'm like <laughs> I'm getting out of my car calmly. I'm not here to fight you. I'm just want to explain to you the error of your ways. Perhaps you don't know this, but. <laughs> You, you know, print out a form and like you know, throw it at yeah. them or something. Flashing yeah, exactly. red light is like a stop sign. Get one of the goes, get one of those little like neon uh, light scrollers and like a dot matrix uh, sign. Oh uh, yes, I, I and, may... and mount it in your rear window and yep. and program in some messages and put some buttons up on your dash. And so you can so, you can explain speaking. to people who are behind you, you know, things like your turn signal has been on for an hour. Uh, yes, please, or, <laughs> you know, please turn it off. Yes, I don't I don't think you're going to merge left anymore. I think you're I think you're done. <laughs> Uh, so to illustrate how much of a jerk I am, I actually bought one of those from Target years ago. This is long <laughs> before I had the BMW and was devastated to find out in, that you could only program in like one or two messages. And so you would have to like drive for hours on the prayer that somebody would tailgate you. So then you could use the message you programmed in at home saying, get off my butt. Oh, that's the, that's the one that you just brought up tailgating. That is, exactly. that is my big, my big current one. When someone is tailgating you, when you're a not in the left lane and B in front of you are seven bunched up cars because <laughs> C the guy way in the front is going 50 miles an hour. And what I want to communicate to the person behind me is, tailgating me won't change anything there's nothing i can do to help you except in your crazed mind tailgate the person in front of me which is just creating a more dangerous situation i know you can see the guy up there four cars ahead he's the problem you tailgating me does not like transitively make him (laughs) like that's what i want to communicate in in a sign and i've had the same exact fantasy casey of having the big sign go up to try to explain just i feel like if we had stopped at a stoplight i could explain to that guy you do realize that tailgating me doesn't help it can't possibly help all it can do is make things more dangerous and worse and oh no that's i just get out of the lane i wonder maybe sometimes it does help maybe by tailgating the middle person often enough 
it will anger or, or stress them out so much that they will then tailgate the person in front of them who will then realize people are too close behind them and move over. Like, do you think that ever happens? It probably that's, happens occasionally. That's the, that's the intention. What they want to happen is the cars to peel off in front of them or to tailgate the people in front of them. But all of those are dangerous things to be happening. Because, I mean, first no, of all, ta- tailgaters are that. making a dangerous situation and you're just multiplying it. Like, you ever see those multi-car wrecks where seven cars are under oh, each sure. other? That's how those happen. You know, a series of people who are, like, peer pressured into driving more dangerously. And that's never going to happen. You're but, not going to make me tailgate the guy in front of me by tailgating me that will never happen but I, I it's like email spam or telemarketing like i, I bet it works it often enough, enough of the time yeah like because you know if probably people who tailgate most likely do it all the time like probably almost yes, every I, time they drive I, anywhere they I probably tailgate people right so so i would imagine it probably works you know if it works once a, once every two weeks where their tailgating results in the person ahead moving over or if they just start tailgating and the person ahead moves over within 10 seconds anyway, just because they were going to anyway, and then they think that then in their head that, that affirms that they think it worked because of what they did, uh, then you know if it works often enough, then that will reinforce that behavior and they'll keep doing it. That's probably true. The only, the only time I find tailgating acceptable is if you're on a single lane road that's not going to be multi-lane for many, many miles and the person in front of you is just not getting it. That they are driving like you know Winnebago at, at twenty miles an hour under the limit, and you well, then they won't see like, you if you're desperately love to pass them. <laughs> well, not maybe not a Winnebago, but like, and the final criteria that must be satisfied is you must have better brakes than the car in front of you. It boggles my mind when I see people <laughs> when I see people like someone's tailgating a Miata with like an SUV. And it's like you can't stop as fast as that Miata is. If you guys both slam up, slam on the brakes right now at exactly the same moment, as hard as you can, you will rear end that car. Like this, you know, you can't stop as fast. It's never going to happen. Well, but again, they're not really thinking, you know, somebody who's tailgating is not thinking about But, like, well, won't they constantly be getting into accidents? You know, just like a squirrel's going to run across the road. And, like, the reaction time alone, like, they won't even they won't even have put their foot to the brake pedal until before the back of the car is embedded in the back of that, you know, 2,300-pound Miata or whatever it is. I mean, honestly, it, it kind of branching off on that a little bit, I think it is remarkable how few accidents happen. Given how that's many true. people are in cars every day, go, that's I mean, my, that's my and do certainly, not touch thing from hypercritical. You remember? Yeah, that exactly. Like, and you know, certainly, car accidents are are still a major problem, and will probably always be a major problem. But uh, relative to the number of cars on the road, and and you know, number of miles driven, and how close everyone is all the time, it really is remarkable how few accidents there are. Yeah. Well, well that's metal. particularly true metal. in America, which I think we touched on this previously. In America, driving is largely considered to be a right, not a privilege, as opposed to my understanding of, say, European countries, where they go through a serious amount of driver training in order to make sure that they are capable of being a respectful and, and legitimate driver. And in America, if you're 16 to 17 years old and have, I don't know, two functioning limbs, it's kind of assumed that you're going to be able to drive. So I completely agree with you. It's amazing that all of us idiots don't bump into each other on a regular basis. Yeah, but your Europe example is undercut by all the people who sent me feedback when I talked about on my old podcast about how it's amazing that cars don't touch each other. They said, well, in Europe, cars do touch each other because parking is so <laughs> tight that people are constantly bumping into each other and shoving, playing bumper cars, which just does not stand in the United States. Like, that is a not... Not a valid, um, acceptable way to to park your car is to press push the other cars out of the way with your car. That's not true in Park Slope. Well, you know, if no one's <laughs> watching, everything's fair game. Like if you're in the middle, you know, if you if you're in the middle of the city or something. But the thing is, like, if the if the owner of the car you are pushing is there, they're going to run over to you and yell at you. They're not going to say, "Oh, that's just how you park." Right? Yeah, that's true. No, I mean, in Brooklyn though, it it, it isn't quite as bad as as how it sounds like it might be. As I believe you were describing in Paris, they said it was really bad, right? Yeah. 
Uh, it, it, it doesn't sound like it's that bad in Brooklyn, but uh, it is routine in Brooklyn for cars to be touching the ones in front of them and to bump them quite a lot on the way in and out. And uh, that's why everyone, everyone always drives around with those bumper bully things. Have you seen those? Oh, yeah. It yep. looks like a floor mat sticking out of your trunk, uh, just oh, like yep. sitting there like dangling and with the rubber mat. It, it looks so incredibly ugly, but if you park your car in Brooklyn more than zero times a year, <laughs> you probably have one of those and you probably need one of those. Yeah, it's a car dingleberry. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like those truck nuts, but functional. <laughs> That's true. And actually, to to kind of cue off of what you guys were talking about earlier with tailgating, one of and I think John, you had said this briefly earlier. One of the things that drives me nuts about Virginians is that they believe that on a two lane interstate or two lanes each direction interstate, that either lane is perfectly acceptable for travel, and they don't understand. Despite I should add the fact that there are signs on almost every interstate in the in in the state of Virginia that say slower vehicles keep right. They don't understand that if you're in the left lane, you better either be flying or moving to the right lane, and it drives me crazy. Oh, that's everywhere. Well, the problem is that like it's we don't have the autobahn here, where where like we do have speed limits, and so there's there's the problem with the left lane on American roads is there are people who are doing seventy five eighty when the limit is like seventy or sixty five. And then there are the people doing 120. And the people doing 120 get bent out of shape when they almost rear-end someone going 75. And as far as I'm concerned, going 75 up a hill on, on the left lane of a two-lane road with all the trucks in the right lane is a perfectly valid way to drive, but it's made incredibly dangerous by sports cars going 120. It's like, look, I, you know, I'm in the... It happens to me all the time because I don't have cars that go that fast. Like, 75 going up this hill is an acceptable use of, of the passing lane when the trucks are chugging away at 50 in the other lane. I don't want to be almost killed by you and your 911 going 120 miles an hour. Sorry, 911 drivers, but that's what it always seems to almost ram me. <laughs> no, I mean, the, I, I think that's like, valid. The Autobahn is different, where it's like, okay, look, this this road has no speed limit for certain sections. People are going to be going a bazillion miles an hour. You, bit, I would not go in the left lane of the Autobahn at 75. I would just take my lumps and be behind the truck at 50 or something until we get over the hill. All right. But, I mean, you know, in the U.S. or pretty much anywhere where you have a posted speed limit, I would say that the, uh, the it, is, it is okay to use the left lane as long as you are going faster than the people in the right lane. Like, Agreed. And, and if, if you get a big pilot behind, like, you know, let's say you want to cruise at, at 80, and, and so you're going to kind of hang out in the left lane as often as you can because if you want to cruise at 80 in the U.S. on an interstate, you, you pretty much have to be in the left lane. Um, but somebody's going to come up behind you eventually who wants to cruise at 90. Um, so, you know, you, 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 you cut over to the right yeah. for a minute, you let them by, then you get back in the left lane. Like, I, I think that's fine, but I think they're having to temporarily slow down for a second before you notice they want to go faster than you. That's just well, that's just yeah. a, a cost the, of them having to go eight, or having to go 90. The 90 people are fine. It's the 120s that kill you. The 120s on winding roads because they have an amazing sports car, like, they're almost killing you because they come around the bend and they're just, like, they have to slam on the brakes and there's smoke and there's honking and it's like, look, I'm not the one who's driving dangerously here. I know your car can handle it, but you have to realize that the rest of the cars don't go that fast. And you, you know, you, you have to be willing to uh, deal with the situation that just occurred. And by the way, I would like it if you didn't not pay attention and kill my entire family with your car rear me that fast. <laughs> because, like, on the interstate, you see them coming. I get out of the way. You know, you see the little glint coming off whatever, you know, uh, sports cars coming up behind you. Easy to get out of the way. They fly by. You go back in. You know, that's not a problem. But in Virginia, the problem is, is that I agree with what you guys just said, which is as long as you're going faster than the person to your right, 
then you are permitted to be in the left lane. Additionally, if you see somebody coming up behind you, it is your responsibility as a good and conscious driver to get right as quickly as you possibly can. The problem with Virginians is they'll just drive in the left lane and people will pile up behind them and they will have no clue as they're reading the sign saying slower vehicles keep right. They will have no clue that it's proper etiquette to get right. And that's what drives me up. Right, because they're, because they're, they're not paying attention. I mean, that's, that's you yep. know, the, the yep. root of most incompetent driving is just kind of like, you know, just daydreaming, just not, not being attentive to it. And, and that's, Agreed. again, like they're, they're not, they're not trying to be malicious. They're just, they're just bad drivers because they don't pay attention. I mean, did you ever yep. see that uh, YouTube video of the people who did this? I think it was on the roads near Atlanta because uh, it looked familiar to me. And uh, the ro- the roads around Atlanta have like nine hundred lanes in them, uh, in in a single direction. And so a, a guy and a bunch of his friends built like a little a wall by having all their their friends run uh, their cars like way <laughs> under the speed limit across the entire humongous multi lane road, and <laughs> and do it like and then have their other friends on an overpass filming it. And, like, the amount of, I mean, presumably incredibly angry cars stacked up behind them oh, as yeah. they rolled down the road. Like, I, I think they were probably maybe even doing the speed limit because people drive around those those roads around Atlanta at, like, 80, 90 miles an hour, and the roads are, like, rated for 50, 55. So it's a little bit crazy. But, yeah, if you – the people who form a wall, whether it's two lanes, three lanes, four lanes, five lanes, like, you'll – You'll look at it, and like you'll, you, there'll be a downhill, and you'll get an overview of the road, and you realize they have clogged this entire road with their. With, and it's like, how can they not notice? Do they look in the rearview mirror? Do they see like, in front of you, wide open asphalt? Behind you, cars stacked up like a parking lot. Move out of the lane, make one hole, and like as soon as one guy will get a clue, and then like the rest of the traffic will squirt through whatever the lane opened up. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like to me, it's like if I'm if I'm in the left lane and somebody is is immediately next to me to the right lane and we're keeping pace, that's like in my head, that's like that's an unstable condition that I have to fix. Yes, you know, it's like like I, I yes. feel that again, and it, and it isn't even always conscious. I just I feel that you know this is wrong, and I and we have to we have to resolve this conflict. Either I have to pull ahead and go faster for a minute, or I have to hang back and get behind this person. And 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 when I'm on the highway doing long drives, I'm almost always using cruise control. And so it annoys me greatly when the person who's like trying to, who's like kind of keeping pace with me, you know, accidentally or not, is clearly not using cruise control, and their their speed keeps fluctuating up and down. And I'm like, just pick pick a speed, and I will get behind you or in front of you. Just pick something to avoid this this conflict that I have to resolve. Of you know, we're blocking traffic, or I can't get past you, but I don't want to go too slow or too fast. Like some, you know, just pick a speed so I can do this. I have a fascination with people who I see driving erratically. I, I, you know, make bets with myself of what kind of person it's going to be when I get up there. Is it going to be someone who's on a phone? Is it going to be someone eating in the car? Uh, are they checking their map? And I see if I can predict based on the way they're driving. Oh, that guy, that guy is trying to, uh, you know, type something on his phone. Oh, that person is clearly looking at a map or a GPS. That person is arguing with a spouse. And then I, when I get up to the car, I peek in and see if I was right. Uh, and the other one, unfortunately, not not to be ageist, but the other one I predict is that's an old person. Like you know, I can't see them. They're way how far ahead of me. I'm like ten to one. That's got to be an old person. And you come in, you see the little uh, white hair poking up above the edge of the window, and you're like, yep. <laughs> that's when I when I think when I see like legitimate situations where someone has formed a roadblock. You know, there's like three or four cars running right next to each other, and everyone is stacked up behind them. I'm like those three or four people have to be old people. They just have to be because no no one else who's more attentive with better vision and better situational awareness and and you know like they would know like no one does that maliciously except for those guys who did it for the YouTube video no one intentionally blocks <laughs> the entire road with six of their friends it's just people doing it from inattention well plus you could tell because they were all big square Buicks 
<laughs> with with the cloth tops on non convertibles. Yes. That's my favorite. Vinyl, vinyl roof. Uh, that was, whatever. That was it all is. the rage, yep, yep. yes. Yep. So this episode is sponsored by Squarespace once again, because Squarespace <laughs> is awesome. Uh, it's a do-it-yourself website platform that makes building a website extremely easy. And it comes with all sorts of cool stock designs and everything. As I mentioned last episode, we built our site on Squarespace, neutral.fm, and it's awesome. It took no effort, and I was able to hack the JavaScript, and it's fantastic. It's responsive design. It's everything. You get a, uh, It's cloud-hosted, and you get real-time analytics for free. You get a free domain if you sign up. I think for a year you get a free domain. It's awesome. Uh, good support if you ever need support. Um, good for business sites, blogs, podcasts, uh, personal sites, whatever you want to do, give it a shot. Uh, it's eight bucks a month. It's a free trial. Uh, go to squarespace.com and use coupon code neutral two during checkout to get an even bigger discount. That's again, that's squarespace.com and use promo code offer code coupon code neutral two. Um, Squarespace is everything you need to create an exceptional website. Now, I wanted That's to bring up... Thank you. Not, it's exceptional, not acceptable. I just want to make sure we all heard you there. I strive to be a little bit better than acceptable. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Moderately noteworthy, maybe. <laughs> so, going back a second, uh, before Squarespace, uh, back another second before that, um, you know, so, so, John, you mentioned how you're, you always try to guess uh, what the people in front of you are doing uh, and, or, you know, what's causing them to behave a certain way. I think, you know, part of, part of what is... Uh, part of the reason why there aren't more accidents, you know, because we, you know, you think there'd be so many more from all the cars. I think part of the reason there that there, there aren't more is that for most accident or most potential accidents, you have to have like more than one thing go wrong to cause this accident because there's so many fail safes. Like, you know, if you look, um, one of the things that that a long time ago like, a driving instructor pointed out to me when I was like 16 or whatever was, you know, if you look on the highway, look at the car in front of you, and the lanes are so much wider than you think they are. Like, in your car, you think the lanes are as wide as your car. But if you look in front of you at those cars, you'll see the lanes are almost wide enough for two cars. And so if somebody's, like, swaying a little bit before they realize and they, you know, they, they jerk back into their lane, they're probably not going to hit the person next to them because there's so much extra room, it doesn't matter. Except for on the Belt Parkway when the lanes are literally as wide as one car. <laughs> yes. But, and, and so, you know, for most accidents to happen... Like it takes it takes two bad or inattentive drivers to cause them. Usually, not just one, um, and and that's one of the reasons why so few happen relative to the number of cars on the road. So you know what John is, what you're saying is like you know you're paying, and, and I think this is how this is how I've driven for as long as I can remember, and I think I'm a pretty safe driver, but I think everybody thinks that <laughs> yeah, everyone thinks they're everyone <laughs> thinks they're above average, um, but I think. What makes you a good driver is the ability to have a constant awareness of what everyone else around you could do or is about to do. And so, like, for me, if the person ahead of me doesn't signal, it usually doesn't matter because I usually could tell they were about to turn or merge. It, it, almost always you can tell. Like, like if you if you see somebody, let's say you're in the left lane and ahead of you by a couple of car lanes is somebody in the right lane who comes up right behind the car in front of them and slows down and hits the brakes. You know they're about to merge left to pass that person. You can, you can guess. Like, that's, that, you, that's almost certain to happen. So, like, I won't, I won't pass that, fast, that faster person in the left lane because I know they're about to merge left and they might hit me if I, if I do that. You know, and so, like, I'm always trying... Or, like, if I'm merging onto, onto a highway, I will not merge if there's a car to the lane to the left of that one. Like I, because, because what if they merge right? Yeah, like, but yeah, like I will of, wait until there's a gap. Avoiding, 
accidents is identifying the crazies and just giving them a wide berth, like being nowhere near them. Either let them go ahead or you get in front of them. Like, do not, you know, I do that all the time. I say, okay, that guy, I cannot be within 17 car lengths of that guy because he's dangerous. So either you need to be in front of him or I need to be behind him. But I want to be nowhere near that. And that's how you avoid accidents is because you're not like the guy who's not paying attention or the person who is eating their lunch or, or <laughs> texting or whatever. Playing the flute. I want to be nowhere near them. <laughs> like, like not even close. Not like, oh, I'll keep my eye on that guy. No, get away from him. Get it, you know, so you're not within chain reaction distance of that person. You need to just, uh, you know, be far, far away from them. Exactly. And I really think like, you know, once if you start paying attention, you know, you can you can if you don't already do this, I bet you guys both do. But if you don't already do this kind of like automatic prediction in your head of of what everyone else is doing, you could probably start training yourself to do it by just starting like a game in your head. Like just try to guess if when you're on a highway drive, try to guess everyone's lane change before they do it and before they signal it. Yeah, I could not possibly agree with you more, Marco. And one of the things that I think is a really good example is, and you are alluding to one of the great examples, or you, you said one of the great examples is when somebody's flying up to the person in front of them, you know they're going to try to move. Another example is if you see a head whip over to check a blind spot, you know, then you know that they're about to make a move. And, and I could not possibly agree with you more that the, to me, the crux of being a good driver is being able to be predictive and being aware of those around you and not only w- those who are around you, but what their next move is. And I, and I know I'm just repeating what you said, but I, I could not possibly underscore that more. I think you're absolutely on the mark. And, and that's why, again, like you had said, everyone thinks they're a good driver, but that's why I think I'm a good driver. And I've noticed that Aaron, my wife, is also very, 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 very good at that. And that's why I think she's a phenomenal driver because she is predictive and is a where. And that's something that I don't think every driver has. So I completely agree right. with you. And what John said, which is trying to av- you know avoiding the crazies, like it, you should be able to tell before you get close to them whether somebody is a risky driver or not. And like for me, like I will either like I will either not pass them at all if they're like if we're on a highway or something. I, I either won't pass them or I'll pass them with an extra lane to spare. Or if I if they're going really slow and I'm like I have to pass them w- with just the immediately adjacent lane. I will pass them really fast. Like I will, yep. I'll get into yep. that lane, get so they can see me, and then pretty much just floor it and and try to pass them as quickly as possible. Yeah, it's the same, the same way I feel about big trucks. I do not want to be behind them where their cargo can spill out on me. I don't want to be to the left of them where they right. can swerve and crush me. I want you know you want to be either way behind them or way in front of them. It's that's like when I, I think one of the drives I did from maybe Chicago to New York uh, a couple times I've done that. It's like. You get on this certain section of Indiana, and it's all these stupid trucks, and it's like every time I cleared one, there'd be another one. So I was just trying to find a comfortable place between <laughs> death-dealing trucks where I could safely survive. But, right, because, yeah. you know, it's all about, too, it's, it's about minimizing the risk of, of even your chosen position in the lane. Like, the same reason, like, I won't drive in somebody's blind spot. That's, that's another one of those situations where I will, I will resolve the situation. I'll either pass them or I'll, I'll get behind them. Yeah, so, so many um, people aren't, aren't aware of that. Like, people, you know, if you're doing that game trying to predict what other people do, even if you get great at the game, you have to be aware of what you're doing, too. And I think we've all been passengers in cars with people who forget about not driving in someone's blind spot. They can't even maintain a sane following distance in the car in front of them. <laughs> their, their algorithm seems to be don't pay attention until I'm about to hit the car, then hit the brakes. Now resume not paying attention. Oh, I'm about to hit the car in front of me, hit the brakes. Okay, now resume not paying attention. Oh, looks like I'm about to hit the car in front of me, hit the brakes. It's like, maintain a sane following distance. And the second part of that is being sane following distance. That's the other part of like knowing how good your brakes are and stuff. You have to adjust your following distance, no matter how much of a hurry you're in or something, based on, you know, look, if, if the person in front of you jammed on the brakes because a baby crawled out into the road, 
could you avoid hitting them? And if the answer is no, your distance is too close. And almost everybody drives too close. I mean, you you only find this out when, you know, a ladder falls off the truck in front of you, the guy in front of you jams in the brake, and you hit them in the rear. And, you know, I, I, I assume everybody knows this. I assume every listener knows this. But I always wonder if, like, do you understand that if you hit, if you rear end somebody, it's your fault? I don't know if people understand it. Like, I was like, well, it's not my fault. A truck fell off, a ladder fell off a truck in front of the car in front of me, and he jammed on the brake, so of course I hit him. No, not of course you hit him. That's the whole point of driving. You're supposed to be driving, so when that happens, you don't hit him. Unless, you know, I mean, you have to, I guess people don't know the braking distances of everybody, but you can, you can gauge it. Like, is it a semi? Is it a sports car? Is it an SUV? How good are the brakes in my car? Like, this is part of driving. Uh, it's absolutely true. Now, to slow things down a little bit, uh, I'd like to ask you guys about parking. And a friend of mine, Larry King, not the one on CNN or that used to be on CNN, he, uh, he has beaten me up for years and actually wrote in to ask our opinions about this. He's beaten me up for years because I pretty much always, without fail, back into parking spots. And I do that because I feel like it's a little bit effort up front to make things a lot safer on the way out. And plus, when I'm leaving somewhere, I just want to go. I want to get on the road. I want to do my thing and get out of the way. And I guess this comes back to being from the Northeast, where I just want to get out of everyone's way and do my thing. But I'm like the only person I know that consistently backs into parking spots. And that also, by the way, includes my garage. So uh, both actually Aaron and I always back into the garage, although she's a normal human being. And so she will pull frontwards into most parking spots. And I was curious if a, either of you guys believe in backing in and B, if that makes me a complete weirdo and or loser for backing in pretty much always. If I saw someone backing into a parking spot with a white BMW, I would not have good thoughts. (laughs) 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 Let me tell you why backing into a parking spot is no good. All right. Here's the deal. And you should know this as someone who's in a hurry, right? if you pull forwards into a parking spot, you get into the parking spot quicker, right? And then you, when you pull out of the parking spot, then that takes longer because you got to back out and it's harder to see and everything like that, right? You want to make the time where you, like, where you have to spend lots of time possibly waiting for your chance to go and everything. You want that to be the time when you're in the parking spot. Basically, when you're looking for a parking spot, you want to get out of, out of the flow of other cars looking for parking spots. There's a spot, pull right in, head in, you are out of the flow of traffic. You're no longer impeding everybody. Later, when you're trying to get out, you can sit there in the parking spot trying to find your opening to safely back out for as long as you want without impeding the other traffic flow in the parking lot. So that's why you go head into a parking lot. Now, when you're at home, if you're not impeding anybody in your driveway, by all means, take your time and back into your driveway because if that's what you want to do. But in a parking lot, you've got to go head in because it gets you out of the way of the other people looking for parking spots faster. Yeah, I'm, I'm with John. I... Uh... Uh, I mean, if, if th- think about it this way. If everybody backed into their parking spots, think of how much worse traffic would be in parking lots. On account of? On account Every, of everybody having everyone to... Everyone trying to do that. Well, here, here's yeah, the thing see. that you can make you feel better, Casey, once you mend your ways and stop doing this insane thing, uh, <laughs> is it makes you appreciate the pull-through all the more. You know the pull-through? When, you, when oh, yeah. there's oh, two yeah. slots open and you pull-through, that then you get the best of both worlds. That's what you want, Casey. Just go for the pull-through and stop impeding traffic in the parking lot with your white bmw trying to back your way into spots (laughs) so here's the thing though i do choose a pull through if at all available and possible so that is absolutely unequivocally the best option but i have gotten not to toot my own horn here but uh, i've gotten so good at backing into parking spots that yes i am slower than pulling in frontwards no doubt but i can do it pretty much in in marginally more time 
than if I were to pull in frontwards. However, in your defense, to the defense of your point that I'm a nut job, it is abnormal. And so my favorite thing in the world, which I don't say with any sarcasm whatsoever, is when I point my car in such a way that it's clear to me anyway that I'm about to back into a parking spot because I'm pulling and into the bumper. steals it from you. Well, not not that they steal it, but they go to like pass me as well, I'm yeah, pointing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What's going to happen is, you, is, is you're going to end up getting the driver's side. Uh, you're going to end up getting hit in the driver's side of your car because people aren't expecting it. So when they see you pull past the spot and then hit the brakes, maybe that if you're lucky, they don't hit you when you hit the brakes. But then once you start backing up, they are going to be caught extremely off guard. And this is another thing about automatic transmission that always like I can flick into reverse really quickly. But I've seen, I've been in too many cars with automatic transmissions where the people look down to the little PRNDL thing yep. to see the little lingo into R. There's no way they're <laughs> going to get into reverse fast enough. And so you're going to end up, you know, scraping them, hitting them, or they're going to hit you because they, they don't, it's an unexpected thing to be happening. That's not your fault. Your fault is for impeding traffic with your stupid back end thing. But I, in addition, you're also risking being hit by inattentive drivers surprised by what you're doing in a parking lot. Uh, that's fair. So, so the moral of the story is I'm nuts. Yeah, you should not do that. And get your get your backing in kicks on your driveway. You're not impeding anybody there. You can, you know, back in all you want. All right. So I have another thing that's very quick that I'd like to talk about. But are there any other etiquette-related discussions we should have? Turning. How so? Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. People are so bad at turning. No, the right turn. This one, this is my least favorite. You're following someone. They're going to make a right turn. They signal like a sane person. They make the right turn. And... It seems like time starts to go so slow it goes backwards. Like they go slower and slower and slower. Like they're going to turn into the gas station. You know they're getting gas, and slower and slower. Then their right wheel touches the little thing. Then they start turning, and it's like you eventually end up coming to a complete stop behind this person while you wait for them to make the right turn. It's like, do you understand that you can carry forward momentum into a right turn? We're not saying you know you're going like. 15 miles an hour on a secondary road, they're pulling into a gas station, and you have to come to a complete stop because of how incredibly slowly they make a right turn. It's usually old people, but like it just, it, it, you know, the only time I'll excuse that is if you have a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, some other supercar, and you're afraid of scraping it when you go into like the, the gas station parking lot, then okay, you can creep and I'll just ugly your car while you're doing it. But if you have a Toyota Camry and you basically come to a complete stop before getting out of the lane that you're making a right turn from, I, I get angry. My my big two pet peeves about turns are uh, number one by far is people who sway the opposite direction a little bit before they make their turn in order to have a wider turning. But that's radius. such a good signal. You like you know you know exactly what kind of person that is. When I see them sway out, I'm like, you may think that person is making a left, but I can tell by their lack of signal and the fact that I can't see their head above the steering wheel. They're making a right. <laughs> right. The fact that they just crossed over the line and almost hit somebody coming the other way. Yeah, and they're making it right. Trust me. Up oh, there they go. Yep. And then the other thing is people who you know. Let's say you have an intersection. Um, so suppose you're this almost this almost always it, people who are turning left uh, in in a right hand drive uh, country, um, which of course is all the all the normal countries. Um, people who are turning left, and there's nobody in the left turn lane of the street they're turning onto. So. Rather than making a turn that's closer to a 90-degree angle, they make a turn that cuts a straight diagonal across the intersection. Yeah, yeah they're going to end up just, you know, you know being in a head-on collision. Right, because what, cause so often I will be, like, let's say if there's an intersection on a hill or something where the visibility is poor, where you kind of can't see what you're turning into until you get really close to it. 
I'll be sitting in, in that left turning lane of what they're turning into, and I will have the front left corner of my car be almost clipped off by almost everybody making that turn. Yeah, no, forget about the corner. Yeah. Sometimes I've almost been hit head on by people, and then they honk, <laughs> then they honk at you like you're right. in their way. It's like you're sitting, you're sitting completely still in a lane with you know the left turn lane, and they almost hit you in a head on collision. They're shocked by your presence there. Right, like like the the proper way to turn when you're turning left at an intersection like that is to pull straight ahead into the intersection most of the distance before you actually turn left and make, you know, make almost a 90 degree turn. But people don't think that way. You know, nerds think that way, but most people don't think that way. They don't see the, they don't see the invisible guidelines on the road that aren't right. actually. That's why they start putting the you ever see the intersections with the dotted lines yeah, to, yeah, tell, yeah. to tell the idiots where you're supposed to drive. Nobody follows them, it doesn't matter. Yeah, at no, least, at least it's a clue. And I'd actually like to double down on what John said a minute ago about turning at, at one mile an hour. Uh, my favorite is when you see a humongous SUV or like a Jeep Wrangler hopping over this like little divot in the road where, where water will run, like a gutter, if you will. And they do that at one mile an hour when, they're, when the ground clearance on that car is easily two or three times the ground clearance on any car I've ever driven, they driven in my life. They spill their coffee, though. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I'm like, dude, you will not even feel that bump. You could run over my whole freaking car and you wouldn't feel it. Yet you're going to crawl over this little teeny divot in the road. Drives me bonkers. Anyway, any other uh, etiquette related complaining? I mean, thoughts? <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like, John, you you, you got to be the king of this stuff, right? <laughs> uh, I, I could probably think of more, but I'm getting myself all worked up just thinking about driving. Yeah, I, I, actually, on the related topic of safety and everything... Uh, how is everyone's driving record in terms of safety? Like how many accidents? Maybe that could be a whole show. We could talk about the accidents that we've got into. Maybe maybe shelve that for later. No, let's do it now. Right, I hope well, it's a short list. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> Casey? All right. So I have been in two accidents. Neither were my fault. Uh, one was when I was 16 and, I don't know, three quarters. I was in the Saturn that I believe I've spoken about a couple times. I was going in the ring road, if you will, around the local mall. It was raining. It was December. And I was probably going a little bit too quick. So I was not fault free. But a pickup truck decided that he couldn't really see around the parked cars at the edge of the parking lot and just decided to stop in the middle of my lane. And I definitely T-boned him and his pickup won by a long shot. Then two weeks after getting the Saturn back from the uh, repair shop, I was at my then-girlfriend's house taking her to a basketball game, and it was snowing, and again, this is Connecticut, and one of her either friends or acquaintances was turning into her house and decided to make that left immediately in front of me, and so I T-boned her as well. Uh, but those are the only two accidents I've been in. I have also gotten two speeding tickets in my – is it two? I want to say two speeding tickets in my life, and that hasn't been knock on glass for quite a long time now. Well, you got the radar detector now. Well, I can't use it in Virginia, though. And in fact, one of the times I did get a speeding ticket was in North Myrtle Beach when the radar detector was in the trunk, which was really annoying. John? All right. So I have not had a car accident since I was 17. So that's like, what, I don't know, many years, many many decades, completely accident-free. But before that, I I had uh, many adventures. Uh, My first was when I was learning to drive with my mom, we were driving down the highway. It wasn't the first time I was on the highway, but it was one of the first few times. And there was, in getting back to the ladder falling off the truck, there was a large metal ladder, like one of those big extension ladders, laying across the two lanes, like in, you know, it was the two lanes in one direction. 
uh, and I saw the ladder, and I stopped, came to a complete stop in front of the ladder, because there's no way we could have cleared that. Like, it was, you know, the, two, the extension ladder, two ladders on top of each other, it's like at least a foot high, and it's metal. So I stopped, but the person behind me failed to stop uh, and rear-ended me. Uh, so that was my first car accident. It didn't actually damage the car, because we were in a Volvo, and it's built like a tank, and the bumpers were made of, like, gigantic foam rubber or whatever. Uh, second one was driving my parents' minivan in the snow. This one was entirely my fault because I was, you know, drifting the, the minivan around the corners in the snow. Uh, and uh, nice. this was like low speed. Like, this is just coming home on secondary roads. It had just freshly snowed and I was, you know, sliding around. And I slid a little bit too far in one and, the, and banged the side of the front tire into a curb at fairly low speed, but enough to, like, you know, bend some suspension components. I drove it home, but uh, that was bad. And the final one in my last car accident, my only actual serious car accident, uh, was also my fault. And this was the one when I was 17. I was coming home. I was coming home from church, which is, the, by the way, the best time to get into an accident in terms of insurance settlements and stuff like that, rather than, you know, coming home from a party or drunk or something. I was coming home from church at, at midnight, <laughs> and I must have been tired, and I was making a left turn on roads that I'd gone on a million times, and I made a left turn without adequately checking whether the oncoming, there was any car coming you know, in the opposite direction, and there was, and it was basically a head-on collision. Uh, didn't total the car or anything. It was all basically a low speed, like 25, 30 miles an hour. I was totally uninjured. The car was repaired, uh, but that was my fault. But since then, uh, zero car accidents, fender benders are of any kind. Now, what about speeding tickets? One speeding ticket also when I was 17 or 18, going at the maximum speed my Volvo was able to attain, which was 85 miles an hour in overdrive downhill on the LIE. Nice. Now the air conditioning was off, I assume? Yes, air conditioning right. off. And, I, 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 and I was, this was also very late at night, like 2 a.m., coming home from one of my summer jobs. Uh, and the, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I have, I have, my grandfather was a, a New York City detective, so I had the, the PBA card in my wallet. But just this old, gruff, white-haired policeman comes up to the window of my car, uh, roll, down, roll down the window with the cranks, because that's what we had. And he says, do an 85. Didn't even bother. I didn't even bother trying to talk my way out of it. If you're a teenage boy alone in your car and it's 2 a.m. and you're going as fast as that car can possibly go, you just take the ticket. And I did. You guys are terrible Marco? drivers. Oh, oh well, we'll see. Well, I mean, I may have the longest unbroken streak of, of uh, no accidents of any of the people here. Because, you don't. Because, you're older because, because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how many years has it been since you were 17? Oh, I can't do that math on my head. 20? 21? Okay, then you might. All right, so uh, I have no accidents. Um, there was one time when it, I, I was like 17, and I was driving down a residential street with cars parked on both sides, and I clipped somebody's mirror on the right. But I went back and looked, and it was a mirror that was made to fold. So it hadn't detached. It had just fold, folded forward. And so I guess that was all right. Uh, that counts as an accident, <laughs> Mister. I've never had any accidents. They're not yeah, supposed seriously. to touch. Remember? Okay, <laughs> no touching. So yeah, I was like sixteen or seventeen. For, it was like it was like a year into driving. Um, but yeah, there was like no visible damage to either of us. Um, anyway, so uh, and then I've had my car hit while it was parked twice. Uh, one time uh, in college, somebody clipped the mirror off my Maxima. Um, Kind of, you know, in in uh, payback, I guess, karmic, <laughs> karmic uh, retribution there, um, and and then I, I mentioned uh, 
how my Honda Accord, somebody backed into its door when it was parked, and that was that was a whole adventure that, that I would rather not uh, relive because we don't have time to explain the whole thing of why I now lease cars. But um, going back to the maximum for a second, uh, I've gotten three tickets. Uh, one was simple speeding going 86 on, on a highway in Ohio forever ago. Um, another one was uh, in college, I went through... I, I technically went through a stop sign because I didn't come to a complete stop. I did one of those douchey pauses because, because you know, it's one of those things like everybody in town did this douchey pause at this one stop sign that kind of shouldn't have been there. Um, and one time I got caught and that was it. And then I stopped doing it. And then uh, the third one was uh, about five or six, seven years ago now. Yeah, actually, it was <laughs> eight years ago. Jeez, uh, something like that because I still had the maximum. After somebody had clipped the, the mirror off, I didn't get it fixed for like two months uh, or more, it, maybe three or four, six months. Who knows? It was a while because I was so angry. It was, it was right after I graduated from college. So, yes, yeah, so it was a while ago. Um, so, like, I was just so angry at the world that somebody had stolen like 150 bucks worth of value to me because it was, it was below the insurance deductible, so I couldn't really get reimbursed. I was just screwed out of that money because somebody hit my car and, and, and left it and ran. So uh, I, I was very upset about that, so I didn't get it fixed for a while. And uh, also, I had no money at the time because I was just finishing college and, and just started my new job where I got not that much money. So uh, I was speeding on a New York highway uh, going upstate, and I, I got... I got radar at like 83 84 something like that somewhere in the 80s and uh and the cop kind of took pity on me i don't know why maybe i was just nice maybe he just liked me maybe he liked maximus i don't know but uh but he uh he noticed the mirror was gone he he wrote me up for a uh like an equipment ticket instead he like lowered it down to that wow he's like he's like get that and then and he said if you get this fixed within the next 72 hours or something then uh then you know just mail in proof and, and the ticket will be canceled and I did, and that's I finally got that. Uh, you you must have looked very pathetic. Yeah, seriously, because my the the most recent ticket of mine, I was a Virginia resident, and this was literally a week after buying the Subaru, and I was living in Charlottesville at the time, but I was visiting a friend in Richmond, and I was getting on the road, getting on a, an interstate to go back to drop my friend off before I went back to Charlottesville, and I don't remember how fast I was going, but I was going roughly ten miles an hour over the speed limit, I think. And the cop pulls me over and he says, hey, do you know how fast you're going? I said, you know, to be honest, sir, no, I don't. I was just trying to get over to get onto the interstate, blah, blah, blah. Well, do you know what the speed limit is? Well, sir, to be honest, no, I don't. I'm not from around here. I'm not sure what's, what the speed limit is. Well, son, do speed limit signs look the same where you come from? <laughs> yeah, there's okay. almost, sometimes there's nothing you can say to the police officer. Like, they're just, they want to yell at you and it's just, yep. you just have to, like, it's kind of like a video game where... I'm playing through Walking Dead, but like, do you think there's any series of responses that could have led you down a dialogue tree that would not have resulted no. in you being scolded? No, not at all. I mean, that, that's the thing. Like, like I think one of the reasons why I why I got off. Oh, you know what? I forgot. I was pulled over one more time, more recently, in like 2010, when I was in this crazy hiking trip in Vermont. I was uh, trying to trying to meet my friends by a deadline up on top of a mountain. Long story, but uh, anyway, so I was going down this Vermont state route, probably going 70. And the speed limit was probably fifty or fifty-five, um, so I was going like sixty-five, seventy, something like that. I, like I was, I was going what to me was a very reasonable speed, but just this road, it wasn't, <laughs> and uh, or rather, you know, this it was above the posted limit, and I got pulled over for that. But um, the cop let me off. He was just, you know, he's like, 
because I think I think the speed limit was fifty, and I was going like sixty-seven. It was like I was going a speed that would have been reasonable for the most part, but I plausibly might have missed the sign. Yeah, you have to you tell. Know? You have to tell whether. Uh, I mean, you can usually tell whether you have been pulled over by a cop who wants you to slow down, or you've been pulled over by a cop who is doing a shift in which they are assigned to give out speeding tickets. Because right. if you get yep. pulled over by the cop who's on a shift giving out speeding tickets, you're getting a ticket. Like, that's all he's there doing is giving yep. out speed. Whereas if you just happen to drive by a cop and he thinks you're not driving well, he's going to pull you over, yell at you, maybe give you a ticket, maybe not. Uh, and and I, I, you know, I, I, was, I was a guy in rural Vermont driving a black BMW with New York plates. Yeah, and so he probably cool. expected me to be a real dick. But then, because I was nice to him, maybe maybe that's why I, I got I, off. I don't know who's a jerk to police officers. It's like your only chance now is to be nice. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that's all you've got left. To, it's all you've got going Seriously. for you is to be nice and and to to try to engender some kind of pity. Right, because you, and you got to realize too, like you know, I, I mean, sure there are some bad there are some bad cops out there, but most of them I'm sure aren't bad, and and you got to figure that job sucks. You know, yeah, that, well, that but, job but, really sucks. So that's Just the problem about with the guy who's there with. giving out speeding tickets. It's like, you're getting a ticket. Like, he has a quota. <laughs> like, you know, there's, no matter how bad he feels about you, he'll he'll talk to you and be nice and friendly, but you're still getting that ticket. Right. And that's, that's what, what like, he's doing there all day. I feel like, too, like, you know, if you don't if you don't try to hide it, like, you know, if you don't if you don't try to try to pull a case, you're like, I don't know what the speed limit is, officer. Like, <laughs> he was oh, genuinely ignorant. They hear that every every time they pull somebody over, they hear the same three well, excuses. Ignorance right? of the law is not a defense, right? And so, like, like, most people know that. I feel like like if you show respect to the police officer and you know just be like, yeah, I'm sorry, you know, yeah, do what you got to do, you know? you know, like I feel like your chances of getting off are a little bit better just because you're not making their day harder. You're not you're not like trying the same stupid excuse like insulting their intelligence like everybody else does <laughs> you know yeah you would think so but aaron actually just a little while ago got pulled over on her way home and it ended up that the the most reasonable place for her to get off the main road that our neighborhood was off of was on our street and still got a ticket so she was literally 80 yards from our house and still got a speeding ticket yeah, I actually, I shouldn't, I, I said, you know, all you can do is be nice, but I'm probably not a good example of this because I can't control myself sometimes. Like, we have tons <laughs> of construction in Massachusetts, and uh, in Massachusetts, they have what they call police details, where each construction site has to have a police officer at the construction site to help yep, drive yep. traffic or whatever, and they get paid for this, and you can't take it away because it's a huge amount of extra money, and that's why all the police officers make more money than me, and I'm sad. But anyway, uh, <laughs> this, you know, is construction, police officers there kind of directing traffic kind of not because there was a light right in front of it as well but occasionally he would direct people to disregard the light and come through it or whatever and traffic is crawling along it's like stop and go with the construction uh and i was creeping along with everybody else and the light turned yellow and i rolled my way through the intersection while it was yellow uh and came to a stop next to a police officer and he wanted me to roll down my window yelled at me he says you just went through a red light and i and i should have just said i'm sorry officer but I like I didn't I I it was yellow I mean yes I did go through a yellow light but we're all going about half a mile an hour here I just rolled through the intersection not blocking the intersection I said it wasn't it wasn't red it was yellow the only good thing about detail is he <laughs> didn't want to go back to his car and write me up a ticket he said yeah, I think he like argued with me about something and then just waved me on because he had to you know continue letting the cars roll through but that was so stupid why would I argue with him why would I argue with him because <laughs> because the light wasn't red it just literally wasn't you know and I and I feel like if he wants to give me a ticket for going through on a late yellow, then say you shouldn't have gone through that yellow, I would have agreed with him. But by him telling me that light was totally red, I said, no, it wasn't. That was not the right answer, probably. No, it was not. 
But I didn't get a ticket because, you know, he's got other things to do. And, like, seriously, it was not a dangerous situation as we go tootle along at half a mile an hour. So what we've learned from this episode is that Marco is the prettiest of the three of us. Yes, that's that's probably <laughs> true. I won't argue with that. <laughs> uh, 